Becoming known to the people that you want to know you is a challenge for any organization, especially startups. And today I'm joined by Patrick Drought, who's the managing director with the innovative transportation consulting and risk management firm called K-Ratio. As a firm, they started really from obscurity and became an authority within their industry. And what Patrick and I talk about today is some of the principles that they used to create that type of connection and that type of authority within the industry. Welcome to Communication on Point. I'm your host, Dean Hefta. And this program is designed to bring insights and perspectives to help you grow your influence and increase your leadership. Let's get started with my conversation with Patrick. Patrick Drought, welcome to Communication on Point. Thanks, Dean, for having me. It's been too long. Yeah, it's always fun to connect and get caught up on some new ideas. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation today because you know, your experience is very, very diverse. And I think it's really helpful when it comes to, you know, how we communicate with our customers and with the world. And what I want to focus on to start us off with is over the last couple of years, you've been an integral part of building a brand. You've been a part of an organization that has gone from essentially obscurity to now becoming an authority within your industry. And what I'd like to hear from you is, before we even talk about what you're doing, what does it mean to build a brand? What do you hear when you hear the concept of building a brand? Oh, that's a great question. And when I think about building a brand, I think the first word that comes to my mind is sentiment. And by saying the word sentiment, I'm referring to what is your audience's perception of you? And First, it's required that you establish the audience, but your work isn't done when you establish that audience. The sentiment or the feeling that the audience has towards your brand is is somewhat of a perpetual piece of work that is very fragile, and it's not necessarily linear, and it could certainly take two steps uh, forward and then four steps back. And so what you're trying to do is increasingly improve the overall sentiment um, and the overall reach of your brand over a series of time as you look to grow your brand and to essentially grow your uh, company or organization's profitability. Okay. So what I'm hearing is it's not enough to just be, to be known, to be, have people that are in your market and are aware of you. It is, what is it that they know about you? So A, they need to know that we exist. And then B, there is some sort of emotion or sentiment that's attached with our name. Is that a fair summary of of the brand? Yeah, I think think you hit the nail on the head on that. You know, we're in a followers kind of world right now where how many many followers do you have? How many likes do you have? But I think uh, the like has kind of become artificial in a sense that it's not necessarily the true underlying sentiment that somebody may have, you know, towards a brand. So because I'm liking something doesn't necessarily mean that I'm doing business um, with that type of organization. So I think you got to take the steps in order to say, we've established the following, we've gained the following. Now it is our duty to, to build the trust and to provide information that is meaningful, that enables you to to almost create a relationship with that following, whether it be digital, in-person, et cetera. So 
I want to go back in time a little bit. And a couple of things that I want you to walk me through is, so you're part of, uh, of the organization called K-Ratio. And I'd like you to lay out when you guys were starting out on this journey, you know, tell us, tell us a little bit about, about K-Ratio, but walk me through the plan, you know, that intentionality that you had in saying, we are going to create a brand and that means that there's things we need to focus on and things we need to do. And if you could walk me through, if I'm a listener, you know, maybe I'm starting a business, maybe I'm, I work in a division of a company that wants to become more known and more, more understood by my market. I, I want to be able to see kind of your journey and the intention that you as a team had and what that looked like. If you could just kind of start there for us. Yeah, and that's a great question. And I, you know, I had that answer kind of queued up because we were incredibly deliberate in our approach to this brand. And when we started the organization, it was, you know, the founder and some seed capital. And additionally, it was myself and uh, the other managing partner, Kyle Littner. Kyle had come from a history at the Board of Trade, trading derivatives for about 20 years um, on a self-funded account, right? So he never had any type of exposure whatsoever or the he didn't require the the steps in order to build a brand and what is necessary in our industry to be successful wasn't necessarily uh, required in his. So he had zero social media, let alone any type of experience with respect to brand building. So when we got together, legitimately our first initiative were two things, create strategic partnerships and to start to create um, an audience inside of LinkedIn, believe it or not, because we were, you know, although, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, some of the others have a larger reach, you know, more engagement and LinkedIn had always been seemed as mundane. Uh, inside of our vertical, there was a trend where a lot of people were turning to LinkedIn for meaningful content with respect to the transportation or trucking industry. And so those were really our first two initiatives was okay, how can we strategically partner with people to help create our brand? And then how can we develop content that is going to be meaningful to our audience as we continue to reach out and to acquire followers? So the first step with the strategic partnership was with a company called Freight Waves, which was and still is the largest uh, transportation industry news source in, in the world, uh, no doubt. So that was, that was initiative number one. And initiative number two, get meaningful audiences inside of LinkedIn that would be able to be receptive to our message and be able to engage with it once it did land on the platform. I love the clarity of these are our two priorities because it's so easy, it seems, in marketing to get really distracted. Everybody you talk to has advice on what you should do to become more known and more, more listened to and all of those things. So being clear that we're going to have partnerships and we're going to create content that is going to focus on serving our audience is what I've heard. So let's, let's look at the, the strategic partnerships. If I'm in, you know, pick an industry, manufacturing, parts distribution, plumbing, whatever it is, how should I think about the role of strategic partnerships in whatever world I find myself in? Is there some principles or some things to, to think about when I'm looking for who might be a strategic partner and, and what's the role that that plays? Yeah, I know I, I could speak from our experience was that 
you know, pardon the awful cliche, but the low-hanging fruit was this up-and-coming digital behemoth of a news organization. And so what I identified FreightWaves as was an opportunity is that they were young and innovative and willing to, willing to hear us out. Having a company that, you know, let's say, you know, had I selected the Wall Street Journal as my strategic partner, how far along down the road would I be right now? Probably not very. Maybe, maybe I could have scrapped and clawed to uh, one article over the last two and a half years. But instead, I chose, I, I chose a platform that was near and dear to the industry or adjacent, and then also had, had the characteristics of somebody that was willing to listen and somebody that was willing to grow with. So I think you know, the, the common sense thing says, oh, wait, I'm starting this new company you know, I'm selling this widget, boy, would it be great to be on Good Morning America, you know, talking about my widget. I think you have to say, am I ready for Good Morning America? Is Good Morning America ready for me? What type of value do I bring to them? Probably not much, but if you could find somebody possibly on the local level or somebody inside of the influencer space that may be able to um, have some mutual beneficial arrangement, I think that's where your first stop should be is ask yourself who can benefit me, but also how can I help benefit them? That's a, that's a helpful way to maybe get our mind right in what I heard was not just thinking about how can I win, but how can I serve? Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Dean. Any advice for thinking about how I craft my message, how I communicate with people that I'd like to have as uh, strategic partnerships? Yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 that kind of goes back to my Wall Street Journal metaphor. Is you know maybe you don't reach out necessarily to the CEO because we got to remember there's hundreds of people vying for that CEO's time, or you know probably anybody inside of the C-suite. And so where we first started the relationship was that Freight Waves had a side business that was a software company. And I realized that their subscription could offer uh, some value um, to us. So we, we subscribed that. And I actually started the relationship with the account executive. So I immediately provided value to him as a consumer. But once I began to form that relationship, I said, well, you know, how, how can we get this to work two ways? And then slowly we built trust amongst each other. And the next thing you know, we were at the table with the CEO, but it didn't start with me reaching out to uh, Craig Fuller saying, Hey, I got some great ideas. You know, how about you start writing articles about me? I saw a value that he offered and it started really at the operational or sales level. And then it continued to grow as, um, as we shared information. Well, yeah. And that's, that's a great point. Cause it's like, how do I go about fostering a relationship? And, and it's beneficial to both of us. And that's a great approach is starting out even with them as a customer and then growing and developing and finding ways that you can serve them. So let's, let's shift over to the other part of your strategy and that is the content side. Tell us about what it means to intentionally provide content uh, as a part of your strategy and things that we should think about in communicating. Right. So that goes back to almost that strategic partnership, you know, example earlier was how can we have a two-way dialogue, but a two-way uh, exchange of value, right? And so we decided we'll go first. And that was 
you know, once we kind of established a audience inside of uh, LinkedIn, we began to place weekly content out. And this weekly content, even though it didn't directly apply to one of our products necessarily, we knew that we had the skill set to digest some incredibly complex information inside of the transportation industry. We distilled it and we, we, on a weekly basis, we provide our audience with a lot of information synthesized down into a five minute video that explains what they can look forward to this week inside of the transportation marketplace, what markets are going to be hot, what markets to look to stay away from, you know, certain types of commodity types, whether something, whether a Celadon bankruptcy will have a direct impact on capacity inside of the Midwest. All of that, we were essentially saying to our audience, let us take in all the information and we're going to save you time because here's the five most meaningful minutes. So what I just did to you is I saved you a host of time, but additionally, I was able to explain something that was somewhat complex in nature simply. And that is really at the heart of us is getting that equation down to one inch and having people be able to trust what you're saying, but more importantly, understand what you're saying. Historically, you know, the transportation and freight industry isn't the most pedigreed in terms of academia or uh, sophisticated. Uh, it goes, you know, it's pretty simple. It's the movement of goods from, from A to B. Now inside of there, there's a host of tribal knowledge and a significant amount of information. But at the end of the day, you know, the thousand truck carrier out of uh, rural Arkansas one day started as one owner operator. John Smith bought a truck and then he bought another two trucks and then he signed on four additional friends. Looks up 20 years later, he's got a thousand trucks, but it doesn't mean that, you know, in the meantime, he got a Harvard MBA either. So we want, we, we want to make sure that we present information to them that doesn't come across as smug or arrogant. It's let us do the heavy lift for you on the week. I want to underscore what you said there because there is a concept that people follow whoever can take complexity and simplify it. And that's what I heard you saying is your approach to creating content was saying, what can we do? We can take this stuff that is way more complicated than it needs to be. We can use our expertise to absorb it, analyze it, and then doing something that seems simple and, and easy, but is really not. And that is presenting it in a way that is very simple for people to apply and understand. And to me, that's leadership, right? So taking complexity and turning it into something that's simple for, for anybody to understand is a powerful content strategy because it seems like it's tempting for companies or individuals when they're creating content for whatever, LinkedIn or YouTube, you know, pick your platform to try to be clever or show people how elegant they can <laughs> share things or how complex they can talk about concepts so they look smarter. But the reality is people don't have a lot of time and they just want to know, what do I need to know and what, do I, what can I do about it? How does that fit? Like, would you say that fits into your content strategy? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we got some certain affirmations, you know, throughout the year when we were putting this out and really didn't you know, we would get the likes on, on, on LinkedIn and we would get some comments from the, the usual suspects type of deal. But, 
we were on a phone call with uh, Walmart over the summer and hey, before I let you guys go, this is the, the director of logistics for, you know, the, the largest retailer in the, in the world. Just to let you guys know, our team starts every week with your guys' video. I, we take the video in and I move it across to all the team, all the way throughout the operational level. And for us, that was just, that like finally was our aha moment. Like we, we thought we were doing it right. And now, now we know that we really have something. And then, and then we ended up hearing it from Schneider, you know, the, the, the second largest carrier in the country. So we got the largest retailer in the country. We got the, lar uh, the second largest carrier in the country and they're moving it all through their operations and they're moving it up in the organization and they're moving it down in the organization. And that's when we knew that we were really onto something. That is great validation. And when you think about that content piece of it, did your approach evolve over time or do you feel like, yeah, we sat down at the beginning, we're very clear on how we're going to approach it and what we're going to do, or, or were you continually adjusting to see, you know, what really resonated with the audience? You know, on this one, uh, you know, we didn't really have too much two-way communication. I think that's probably some good feedback for your listeners is to probably ask for it. And so you can perpetually iterate your, your, your content. But for the most part, we, we, we just kind of stuck uh, to our ways and said that, you know, here's the information that we're going to present. And it's, you know, our, our biggest thing is that we're telling you what to look at this week. We're not telling you what happened last week. And I think that's a, that, that's a really large benefit. But also, a lot of people in our space get caught up in the game of, hey, this is what's going to happen in six months. And that's a very slippery slope. Um, you know, if you were in October of 2019 and you said this is what the freight market's going to look like in six months, I'm not sure you, um, you know, you accounted for COVID-19 <laughs> and a global pandemic to occur. I'm not sure that, you know, there's a lot of things that take place. So we just take care of, you know, just the meat and potatoes right in front of us. Here's what we do know for a fact to be true. And this is, this is what we're going to present to you on a weekly basis. So you don't have to spend two hours browsing through all the different news sites, going into your different softwares to really present that information. Here's what you need to know. Go at it. I want to highlight this time frame concept because whether it was intentional or a happy accident based on what you heard from your, from your audience is if I'm talking about things that are going to happen three months and six months and eight months out in the future, I can guarantee you that managers are not going to be talking about that each week. As a management team or as a, as a functional team, we're going to be focused each week on what's coming up in the next week or the next two weeks. And so what you're creating is fitting right into the time frame that they're thinking in regards to. Whereas if you were talking about things six months and 12 months long, they're only going to discuss that on a quarterly basis maybe. And so I, I think from a communication standpoint, remember that the content we're creating has some sort of a time frame around it. And you guys being able to focus on what's coming up next made it much more practical to your audience. And I think that's a, a key lesson from that. Patrick, you've worked with lots of different companies in you know, marketing capacities and getting the message out and, and building brands. And this is a, a, a tremendous you know, from the trenches experience you've had with K-Ratio. If I'm in a, a department or a startup or a business that I want to grow, you know, maybe, I have a, maybe I'm an electrician and I want to grow my business bigger, you, know, you talked about some things that have worked for you guys, you know, the strategic partnerships, effective content that's going to help my audience. What are a couple of pitfalls or landmines that I should 
be sure to avoid, or maybe it's conventional thinking or conventional wisdom that everybody believes, but in the reality, it's, it's not a good investment of my effort or my time or my money as I move down this path to increasing my authority. Yeah, two, two words for that answer, uh, Dean. Vanity metrics. And I, I use the term a bunch and I apply it across a bunch of different areas inside the organization. But with respect to marketing, the vanity metrics of followers, views, clicks, you know, at the end of the day, we have to remember what is the absolute objective of your organization. As an electrician, is your objective to get 10,000 views on your ad on Facebook or is your objective to have a full, meaningful eight-hour day with four different clients. And you need to keep the eye on the prize to sit there and ask yourself, what are my goals of this campaign? And make sure that if, you know, because let's face it, an electrician is not necessarily a world-class marketer. So they may reach out to a third party to help conduct that exercise and they're going to say, look at all this traffic we brought to your website. Look at all this clicks we brought, you know, on this ad right here, 48 likes just, you know, in the last day alone. And it's really easy to get caught in that trap of my marketing is working, but is, is your marketing working if that full eight hour day isn't filled with clients that are paying the bills? And so we have to get away from the vanity metrics that, we're obsessing a little bit too much about as a society and inside of a business, we have to return to the good old, good old fundamentals of bottom line, cost per close deal. And that's really what you need to make sure that you're focusing on when you do go into a marketing initiative, whether you're doing it by yourself um, or you're using a third party. Well, yeah, and that's key. We can get away from the bottom line because we see you know, this billboard that we bought, or we see, you know, these digital ads that we've bought, but clicks don't pay the bills, right? If it doesn't translate into conversion, if it doesn't translate into new customers at some point, what's, what is the point? And I think that's an important thing for us to come back to. And, and now with, you know, a lot of tools in the world of digital, you, you do a lot of digital marketing. We have more ability to track, you know, where leads came from than ever, and uh, that's an important loop, it sounds like, for anybody, you know, whether you're a director of a department or a owner of a small business, being able to close that loop of, okay, we did this thing, did it pay? Anything you'd speak to on that little piece of, of closing that loop? Yeah, and so I think the key word here that we have is attribution. And we have to understand that as business owners or uh, marketers inside a business, you need to be careful when you are an, analyzing your marketing performance to understand that there is a full circle of attribution. And up in the top left, you may have that Facebook ad that the person clicked through that you were able to successfully track using pixels, et cetera, and say, okay, that's why my deal closed. But you have to remember that the likelihood of that person seeing that first ad and going right to your site and then closing um, on, so that, on that deal is very low. So there's that the full attribution uh, ecosystem. And that goes back to our content, right? I provide meaningful content. I then have ads. I then have a series 
of things that encapsulate my brand that although that Facebook was the final straw that created that conversion, there's other attributing factors that um, you really need to understand. And it's, it's still kind of the final frontier for kind of that full circle marketing, because it's really hard to say, okay, I bought a pair of Nikes yesterday. Was it because Nike's app was really easy to use? Was it because I idolized Michael Jordan in 1985 to 1998 and I've just been loyal to the brand? Or was it because um, I ran across a billboard that had that specific shoe that I said I had to have? I, I think it's a little bit of everything, but we, we can't be so quick to just say it's because of this. And don't, don't hesitate to ask uh, your customer, right? That's exactly right. How did you find us? You know, what, did, what led you to understand who we are or, or, or to sign up with us? And that type of, I think that type of conversation is way more valuable than some five-star survey that you get right after you buy something, right? I think the, the whole star ranking doesn't give us a lot of intelligence compared to just having a conversation with a client. So today, Patrick Drought, Managing Director with K-Ratio. This has been so, I think, informative when it comes to becoming known in whatever industry I'm in and building that brand. I'm curious, Patrick, do you have any, anything you want to highlight that we did talk about or maybe a, a further message that you want to reiterate when it comes to building a, ba- a brand? That it's not going to happen overnight and we, we need to have that runway and you need to plan for that runway. It's, it's building upon itself every single day. And, and like I said earlier, you know, it could be two steps forward, three steps back, but you just need to continue to, uh, you know, trudge along and continue to speak to your core values and to speak to the values that you can provide your, your audience and then subsequently your customer and don't expect it to happen overnight. The overnight success stories are, you know, often highlighted, uh, you know, inside of our uh, society as the quick buck, but for every one of those, there's 10,000 of the, we slowly, we slowly gained our followers. We slowly put our content out. We slowly, we slowly built our trust inside of our uh, audience. And then we slowly started to bring on customers. And then five years later, you look up and you have a meaningful organization that's profitable. And so when you are doing your business planning, when you are doing your marketing planning, let's leave plenty of leash out there and let's not be so quick to say something does work or something doesn't work um, on the first, second or third campaign, because it, there are those touch points that need to happen over the life cycle of building a relationship with your audience and your customers. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, the overnight success. And when you really dive into the things that we consider overnight successes, typically they've been 10 years in the making. And it's only once we see them becoming known that we believe that they've become an overnight success, but we didn't see all of the work and the late nights that went into, into creating that. So if, um, if people want to learn more about K-Ratio or uh, chat with you, is there a, a place you direct people or, or go to follow you or what, what type of contact information you want to share with the audience, Patrick? Yeah, the most meaningful content and easiest way to reach out to us is at k-ratio.com. Uh, encourage anybody that's listening to uh, reach out and you know request uh, network request on LinkedIn. Uh, be more than happy to you know share some of my wisdoms. However, <laughs> however helpful they may or may not be for your organization, I'm always willing to uh, you know have some meaningful conversations and uh, start some really good conversations. That's great. I'll post the link to K-Ratio's website and uh, Patrick's 
LinkedIn connection in the show notes. So Patrick, thank you so much for sharing your experience and insights that can really help us, I think, improve the communication that we have with our audience as we work to build our brand and increase our authority in whatever market that we're serving. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot, Dean. Have a great one.